Hello everyone and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 3, Issue 139. You can play along with Cane and Rinse, Volume 3, and X5 issues are System Shock 2, The Chronicles of Riddick, Escape from Butcher Bay, and Assault on Dark Athena. After that, it's Hideo Kojima's Snatcher. Then it's some more rare wear action with Viva Piñata, Trouble in Paradise. And after that, it's finally The Last of Us, uh, including talk of the DLC, the multiplayer, and naturally the PS4 Remastered Edition. Head to canarince.com for the full schedule, the blog, of course, and links to our merchandise stall, Facebook page, Google Plus, thingy, and our YouTube channel. Please remember to subscribe to that as well. As, along with, of course, if you haven't already uh, subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, um, where you can also review and just or just rate us if you like. Thank you very much. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Darren Gargett. Level up noise. I've heard it too many times. Level up noise. Mm-hmm. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And welcome back for the first time since we talked all about uh, Japanese shoot-em-ups. It's Simon Cole, the Sonic Mole. Hi. <laughs> why, why are you the Sonic Mole? It's an anagram of my name. Son, S-O-N... Oh. <laughs> That's every... I've seen people tweak. A lot of people think it's because I'm a Sonic the Hedgehog fan, which I, <laughs> I've, I haven't been since I was about 11. I've, I've, I've grown up yeah. since then. I've seen the light. But uh, no, it's an anagram of my name. Ah, <laughs> uh, I can't believe I didn't spot that. Right, so without suggesting in any way that this is the only turn-based strategy game we're ever going to cover on Kane and Rince, um, I'm, I suspect it won't be over time. Um, I thought I think it's the first, apart from XCOM, but I thought we'd go back a little bit and look at um, very briefly the history of the genre before uh, before going into the history of Fire Emblem. Um, obviously, you can trace at our human love of turn-based strategy games all the way back to things like Go, which is a Chinese game. Uh, two and a half thousand years ago um that's the one with the black and white discs i don't know how to play uh then of course chess came along that was an ancient game that was modified in europe over 500 years ago um and i guess suppose since the the mid 70s we've been able to play electronic or computer chess i remember things like that being advertised on the tv um the first uh According to Wikipedia, the first uh, sort of computer game, turn-based strategy, was a game called Empire, um, a mainframe game. Um, But not so long after that, um, we had the first one I remember, which is Archon, The Light and Dark, which was released by um, EA and was a a sort of chess variant with real-time... So I suppose in a a little bit like Fire Emblem um, and EA's later Battle Chess, when two pieces came together on the board, uh, it would come to an animated scene. But the difference here was you actually had control, and it was sort of arcade control. So one of you might have control of a manticore that could shoot spines out of its tail, and one of you might have a control of a a knight who could swing a sword or something like that. It was pretty cool. Um, Then further on into the 80s, there was Mule, which is a pretty famous game. The first Japanese one that I'm aware of is... Nobunaga's Ambition, um, which was which came out on lots of uh, consoles, um, that was by Koei, um, and then of course you get into the realm of Julian Gollop's games, the Rebel Star Raiders, which went on to be Laser Squad and then XCOM and um, and ultimately you know the XCOM games we know today. Um, now, which came first, Famicom Wars or Fire Emblem One? That's a good question. Um, they're both by the same developer. Um, 
But yes, intelligent systems. Um, Nintendo's, I would say, uh, perhaps most consistent um, sort of second party or development core team. They really are. For me, they just they just churn out games so regularly of such a high quality. Um, and they've been doing this since they were put together in yeah about 1984, and they started off with tennis on the NES. They made Wild Gunman, the the, the light gun game made famous in the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, Famicom Wars, of course, which we know uh, as Advance Wars these days. They made Alleyway and Golf for the Game Boy. Super Metroid was them under the mm. uh, tutor, uh, tutorship, I suppose, um, of Gunpei Yokoi. They made Panel de Pond, an amazing oh, puzzle game. What a game. That game's amazing. Tetris Attack. Of course, mm. that's been re-released as multiple Pokemon Puzzle League and Puzzle mm. League. And um, I'm sure it will turn up again on 3DS at some point. Um, the Paper Mario series, that's them. Um, they uh, made pa- uh, Mario Kart Super Circuit <clears throat> on the GBA. Um, they've made nearly all the WarioWare games after the first one. I think they didn't make the first one, but I think mm. they've made all of them since then. Uh, something, something like that. Um, and most recently, probably know them for Pushmo and Crashmo, or Pull, blo- pull Blocks and Fall Blocks, and of mm. course, recently the Wii U version of those. So, uh, I think um, it would be fair to call Intelligent Systems uh, a, a safe pair of hands, or mm. a lot of pairs of fans. You got any other Intelligent Systems fans here? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, you know, most of those games I, you know, I've, I've enjoyed over the years. But the one surprise that struck me when I first got a job at um, uh, at Rare and Kuja and stuff like that was seeing their logo emblazoned on all the dev kits because it's all them. Like they make all these boxes, and you, you know, you flip them on the side and it's like Intelligent Systems. You're like, well, what, what have they got to do with these boxes? And hmm. you know, um, their names all over them. So yeah, they made stuff like the N Dev and the Turbo, which was the S Dev kit and stuff like that. So. They're more than just a software maker as well. So it explains why they're, in a way, why their their stuff tends to be so slick and polished. Mm. It's um, like they know it inside out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can see it on their Wikipedia page on the right hand side, a big blue box where you put uh, DS cartridges in. Those are where um, you can store uh, a DS game on that cartridge, and then in that cartridge is like eight different save slots that you can flick between and stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they they know their stuff. Um, so going back, they were they'd been around already six years. Um, by the time uh, they made the first Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light, um, to, to give this the, the straight English translation, which is all it can be, because uh, the game was only ever released in um, Japan, and that goes for um, the entire series up until um, the seventh game in the series in two thousand and three. So. The system, uh, the series started, sorry, on on the uh, on the Famicom, the NES. Um, the first four titles were produced by the late Gunpei Yokoi, he of uh, Metroid and Virtual Boy fame. Um, series moved over to the Super Famicom on the SNES um, in 1994. There was another one in '96. There was a, a, a series of um, uh, Satellaview games in the in 97 um, which don't count as part of the core series i don't believe uh arcania senki they were called um and uh interesting nugget of trivia fire emblem thracia i think that's how you pronounce it and unless anyone's got a better idea 776 um came out in the super famicom in 1999 and that makes it the final super famicom game ever officially released in 2000 Fire Emblem 64 was cancelled. 
Uh, it had been in development for about three years, and I guess um, the, uh, the the system was kind of on its way out. It had never been a massive hit. Wasn't, um, this, wasn't this for the 64DD? It, was it? Yes. Okay, right. Yeah, well, that makes even more sense that it was cancelled then, because although that thing did finally get a release in Japan, of course, hardly anything came out for it. There was a version of F-Zero, wasn't there? F-Zero with mm. a... With a Track, track editor proper track editor and and things like that um yeah i mean the n64 did get some turn-based strategy games i think it got an ogre battle yeah, sequel which, at least one. which is one <laughs> of the i think is pro- quite genre defining in sort of in the sort of tactical rpg sphere um i'm a bit of a uh yasumi matsuno fanboy so if i start yeah. just going on about tactics ogre i apologize in advance no, there's um, nothing wrong. I mean, it may that series probably warrants its own podcast at some point. But um, but feel free to to interject with tactic. Yeah, other games from the genre are relevant. I yeah, think. I mean, the thing is with the N64, it's a great console, but it's for uh, for JRPG fans and TRPG fans, it's slim pickings, really. Yes. Yeah. Um, although Paper Mario is probably the other really big yeah RPG on that system, which is yeah. intelligent uh, intelligent systems game. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, true enough. Um, so actually, up until um, for the first um, 12 years of its life, um, Fire Emblem was a home console game. It was not a handheld series at all. And I think people really associate it with handhelds now because, um, our, you know, our first the, the first one we got in the West was uh, the... Um, it was the second GBA game. Japan had ha- already had one, The Binding Blade, in 2002. But we got uh, The Sword of Flame just released without that subtitle as Fire Emblem because it was the first one um, in 2003 or four. Um, it was a prequel to the previous game. And I think the reason we got it over here was probably to do with Smash Brothers. Yeah, that's definitely where I was made first aware of the series. Um, I remember you know, putting in Melee because I don't think Marth and Roy were in the N64 version. No, right. And I was like, who are these guys that look, you know, kind of like a Final Fantasy character? That's kind of like, my, my ignorance towards the, uh, the you know, the JRPG genre is, is just, it's off, off the scale like, at the time <laughs> anyway. I didn't know anything about it. I was all about Mario and Yoshi. And then these guys come out with swords and I'm thinking, well, they, 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 they look cool and they've got wicked music and uh, their stages are actually really interesting. But where do they come they? from? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 And then uh, I soon learned that they, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's another project from the guys who made Advance Wars. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. And it's interesting good. now because uh, the one of the, the recent character reveals for the next Smash Brothers, people were getting hugely excited. You know, even uh, mm. dudes like Josh here, who is new to the Fire Emblem series, um, was very, very young when the series started. Um, or possibly not even born, and um, and you know when when it was uh, Smash Brothers character coming uh, Fire Emblem a possible you know you were kind of you know thinking you are uh, you you were sort of expressing you know like oh I really hope it's this guy I don't want it to mm. you, know, you know that sort of thing <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and that you know that's quite a quite a quite a turn of events really in in a in a relatively short space of time or long if you trace it all the way back. Um, so Fire Emblem the Sacred, Sacred Stones was a third in a sort of GBA trilogy um, that came out over here I remember actually importing this one I should say I, I, I bought um, the, the the first one the first GBA Western one uh, at the time and I played it a lot I didn't finish it I got I got very stuck I'd let too many people die um, I actually imported the Sacred Stones which came out in 2004 and 5 in 
across the world. Um, I got a West, uh, US copy for some reason. And, of course, that was the one that was um, released on 3DS, not Virtual Console, but as part of the Ambassador program back in mm. 2011. Yeah, I've got that one. Yeah, hopefully it will come to Wii U Virtual Console, um, as seems to be the way of things <clears> at the moment. Um <clears throat> then perhaps some of the more uh, notorious games in the series, not in terms of quality or anything, but um, in terms of price um, and, uh, I suppose, rarity then. Now, I bought Fire Emblem Path of Radiance the day it came out because I'd loved the GBA game so much. This was in 2005 on the GameCube. Um, and at some point, I realized I hadn't got very far with it and either traded it in or eBayed it. And I kind of wish I hadn't because uh, <laughs> I was looking on eBay today and uh, you are looking at paying around £120 for a, for a copy of Path of Radiance. Yeah. Hmm. Anyone else buy this one at the time, ever ever owned a copy or played it? Yeah, this this is my introduction to the series because I, cool. I, I didn't own a GBA. I didn't have a handheld to the DS. Um and I've kept hold of it, and that game is the sole Good reason job. why I, along with um, the first Sweet Coding games, is why I always buy a game when it first comes out, or well, when you get a small a small print game, which you yes. know, a JRPG, mm. yep. because I know if I don't get it then, it's going to be pretty difficult to track down for a reasonable price later on. Um, Xenoblade Chronicles is probably the most recent example of that. Mm. That's been scarce for a while. I don't know. If, I, I don't know if it's uh, become available again. But yeah, I, that was the first time I played in the series, and I, I was so glad I kept hold of my copy of it. Yeah, uh, and I'm never letting that one go. <laughs> yeah, no, good call. Um, and then uh, they followed that up uh, a couple of years later with uh, a Wii game as well. Again, there would be no more handheld entries at this point. This was uh, Fire Emblem Radiant Dawn. Um, doesn't go for quite as much money as the GameCube game, I suppose, because there were that many more Wiis in circulation. They probably printed more copies, but you can still pay up to a sort of £115 for Radiant Dawn. And again, I remember it being freely available on shop shelves back in sort of 2008, um, but you would struggle to track down a copy now. Did you get this one, Simon, as I well? did, yeah. I was really surprised when I saw in the notes the, the figures you'd quoted, because I remember buying this brand new for about 18 quid. Yeah. Um, only a couple of years ago, so it's obviously recently that it's suddenly become scarce. Well, that was a brief eBay search. Um, it may have been that if I'd actually gone around, you know, I don't know, Zavi and things like that, maybe, maybe it is still possible to get hold of, you know, original copies for less, and maybe people are just trying it on an eBay. Mm. I'm sure that it doesn't, on average, fetch anywhere near, th- near as, as much as Path of Radiance because it's newer, and it, as I say, it was on the Wii. Um, now, both those games, I, I don't think Radiant Dawn reviewed as well as Path of Radiance. Path of Radiance was, um, I remember the reviews being pretty excellent. Um, and Radiant Dawn's slightly less enthused, but I'm not sure if that was context or timing or whether it's actually an inferior, you know, Fire Emblem entry into the series. I, I definitely preferred Path of Radiance for Monist. Okay. Um, I, I think it was the sto- I think the story let, let it down a little bit. Um, I quite like there was a whole uh, sort of racial tension thing going on in Path of Radiance, which I quite enjoyed. Um, but I just, I just remember from memory, I remember it being a more enjoyable experience on the GameCube game. Hmm. Um, what happened next was uh, the return to uh, the handhelds and a remake of the very first Fire <coughs> Emblem. Um, the title had been stripped back somewhat to simply Shadow Dragon. I'm surprised they didn't go for the Dragon Shadow mm. uh, to give it the whole DS thing that they <laughs> used to like to do. Um, that was 2008 and nine. 
Um, I would suggest uh, I never actually got hold of this one, but I would suggest it's probably quite quite a good place to start the series. Uh, you know, if if you were interested in this sort of game, or you just played Awakening and you wanted another one, my guess is that this would be a good one to play because it's kind of where it all began, but remade. Um, but again, the prices are slightly prohibitive. Um, you're looking at sort of thirty quid for a boxless one, and forty to sixty on eBay for for a boxed one. So again, it's one that I really wish I'd picked up back at the time uh, anyone got it <laughs> simon <laughs> uh i haven't but um it gets a bit confusing with the uh, these remakes because i think the first game's been re- remade several times hasn't it i think the the first super nintendo game was a remake of the very first game which was on Is the Famicom. okay right. yeah and if, if you look on the um on the their wiki their, on their wikia mm. it's quite confusing trying to work out which are the best games to play yeah uh, also because um, there are quite a lot of fan translations about of the yes Japan I was going to mention that yeah I bet there uh, are there, and, and there are multiple translations as well so of course there are probably more than well probably at least 10 ways to play the first game <laughs> Yeah, and the and the game on the series of games does have, uh, you know, quite. Although not everything's interconnected as such, it's a little like Final Fantasy in that it does have its own sort of consistent-ish lore and fantasy worlds and characters that come in and out, and it's you know Tolkien-esque in that regard, I suppose. Um, one of our correspondents later ref- refers to it as the Game of Thrones of of this sort of thing, which which might be even more apposite. Um, but yeah, Shadow Dragon is out there and can be played. Um, there was uh, Japan only. The series went back for one game only to Japan. Uh, new Mystery of the Emblem, Heroes of Light and Shadow, uh, 2010 DS game. And apparently that is a remake of number four, um, which was the second Super Famicom game, Genealogy of the Holy War. <laughs> and, oh, God. Uh, yeah. So basically there are 13 to play. And if you're keen, um, and even if you only speak English, there are ways probably to play all of them via emulation and fan patches. Um, but to be honest, as much as I said, maybe if you've played Awakening and you want more, definitely um, the GBA ones and the DS ones are, are a great place to go next. But I don't think I could really suggest anything better than playing Fire Emblem Awakening. The, the the 13th game in the series um, 3DS, 2DS two, 2012 or 13 depending on where you are and um, I think for many people their first Fire Emblem yeah it was for me yeah. um, I'd always been aware of the series but it was always you know, you know when a series has been going on for a long time and you're thinking oh where should I jump on yeah, board totally. should I jump on board here but the the praise for Fire Emblem Awakening was so universal. I was like, okay, I'm not going to make excuses this time. I'm going to have to buy this day one. And um, yeah, like I, I'm curious now to check out the previous games in the series because I like to. Um, spoilers. I really liked Awakening <laughs> um, because I liked Awakening so much. But um, yeah, I, I I think it's a perfect jumping on point for new fans. So, Josh, had you played any other games from this genre before? Final Fantasy Tactics or Disgaea or um, Vandal Hearts? W- the the game that I think this is possibly most similar to that I've played uh, before this one was uh, Valkyria Chronicles. Um, yeah, right. Uh, that one uh, has more real-time elements to it, but essentially the 
the setup is pretty much identical. You know, you take turns, blah 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 blah. You attack. Um, Characters. So I, well, I yeah. So I, I was familiar with this this style of game, and I, I think more than anything, like I, it, it's always a genre that I think w- I think would appeal to my you know taste and stuff like that. I just simply ha- hadn't like had much exposure to it yeah. to the point where like when I first played Valkyria Chronicles, I thought, "Wow, this is really new and different." And then I actually did my research and realized, no, actually, it's not that different at all. Uh, it just <laughs> added uh, shooting elements, but. Um, yeah, I don't have much experience with this genre, really, apart from XCOM and Valkyria Chronicles. Well, you know, fine games one and all, I'd say. Yeah, uh, Simon, you obviously go back quite some way further. You've already said you're a Tactics Ogre um, fan, um, a series with some of the greatest subtitle names in, in gaming, such as Person of Lordly Calibre. Yeah, well, they're all... Uh, he was a massive Queen fan. Um, uh, OK. A, right. a band, I re- ironically, I really detest. But, um, yeah, sure. All the um, Tactics Ogre games are named after uh, Queen songs. I think I had read that. But March yeah. of the Black Queen is another one. Um, yeah, but my, my history of the genre goes back to Shining Force, or the first two Shining Force games on the Mega Drive. Of course. Um, uh, I think, isn't there a, a DNA connection between those and uh, Valkyria Chronicles beyond Sega? Yeah. Possibly. Um, I, I can't remember what it is now, but there, there, there definitely is one. Yeah. Um, yeah, Shining Force, um, and then I was lucky enough to know someone who could import Tactics Ogre for me on the PlayStation One, um, and then I went on to uh, Ogre Battle '64, and and I've, I've just I've, I love the, this genre of games, and I've I've played quite a few, particularly on PSP. If you've got a PSP, there are a lot yeah. of really good quality um, tactical RPGs out there. Nippon particularly uh, produced dozens, didn't they? For yeah, well, they're, PlayStation. In the, they're in the Guinness Book of um, World Records for most tactical RPG games released. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Darren, obviously we know you, uh, regular listeners will know that you've been a Nintendo fan since way back when. Um, but obviously this franchise wasn't easy to get into, as we've discussed, because most of them didn't come over here. Um, but did you did you play on the GBA 10 years ago or did you was it the Ambassador program that first saw you try a Fire Emblem out? Uh, I tried the, the Ambassador game. When I got it, because you know you boot them all up, and you're like, "Oh yeah, Fire Emblem." I'm now aware of the series because of Smash Brothers. Yeah, and I, I I tried to play it, and I was like, "This is like a really hard version of Advance Wars." Turned it off, <laughs> never came back to it. And then rumblings of this new one were coming around. It, it's got a really good subtitle for people who are scared of the series. Awakening implies like a, a, a fresh new start, kind of you know, a, a bold new beginning or whatever. And I was just like, "Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get it because if if I don't get it on day one, and it goes, you know, into ebay land i'm gonna regret that and i got it and i was like okay let's let's play i'll get get ready and then uh, the same thing happened i got you know utterly destroyed and uh, <laughs> i turned i turned it off and then when i saw it on the list for and rinse potentials i was like all right i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and uh yes. yeah this is the first one i've properly played endured and uh <laughs> yeah um the, my my history with the genre sort of treads a similar line and i've never really played turn-based games other than board games or battleship and stuff like that so it's kind of like putting that into video form is is, is a weird one for me because i'm not the most patient gamer <laughs> so to sit there and think about moving stuff is a bit like yeah you know it's a bit hard for me to um to focus especially after a coffee so it's kind of like all right just 
do stuff and then yeah but i played advanced wars and i i honestly that that series is uh, a high point in the gba um generation for me i thought that game was amazing i played link up with multiple friends and yeah. we had we had battles that lasted hours i actually i remember sitting in the bath for uh, <laughs> two hours and I, I was like oh i need to get out of the I'm, I'm actually like wrinkly i need to get out so advanced wars got its hooks into me i remember tinkering with a a Final Fantasy Tactics game where they had a snowball fight. Is that my right in saying that? There's a snowball fight yes, in one of them? Yes, uh, that's the start of um, the GBA one, I think. Uh, yeah, I turned it on and was like, this this seems really adorable and cute and stuff. And then again, I turned it off because it, it scared me with its um, with its turn-based nature. So yeah, the series is a weird one for me. I'm struggling with XCOM Enemy Unknown at the moment. But I like playing these games that make me feel uncomfortable when I'm playing them. Like, I've done Monster Hunter. I haven't done it, but, you know, I've played 50 hours of it. Mm. That, that made me uncomfortable. Dark Souls made me feel uncomfortable. Fire Emblem. I'm going through these games that I'm not normally used to playing because I feel like I need to break out of the bubble somewhat. And, yeah, Fire Emblem is one of those games to break out of the platformer shooter bubble that I currently live in. <laughs> yeah, my... F- I mean, I remember turn-based strategy games in the uh, in the 8-bit days of the 80s being uh, initially being the most kind of intimidating and dry looking genre there was it was uh you know very much um based around world war ii battles there were all these you know serious kind of kind of games that had started as uh, pen and hex paper or pencil and hex paper type things that were converted to computers and they they took hours for your turn to happen and and it was all very dry and militaristic and i had no interest but that changed with julian gollop's games i played rebel star raiders round of friends and i in- instantly fell in love with this idea of um even though you know i like twitch action games i like fast-paced stuff i do like the the notion of being able to consider your moves and strategize them mm. um xcom came along in in the uh, in the early 90s and uh, blew me away the original uh, ufo defense and then but i think my first japanese one must have been vandal hearts which was probably konami's first attempt at doing it certainly in that generation anyway um and i absolutely adored vandal hearts one never played the sequel um sort of got a mixed reception um but instead i moved on to final fantasy tactics um didn't play it i, I now own the uh, sorry didn't complete it i do now own the um the psp uh version with the apparently uh, superior translation um i've dabbled with disgaea but those games are incredibly sort of complex and and i think they're really cool but i just haven't devoted the time necessary um and yes as i said with fire emblem i played the gba ones um bought the gamecube one didn't play it and um it was it was both nice and frustrating to to see all the the love and people picking up awakening um last year um in that uh, it, it was i suppose it was you know uh, i was accused of being a fire emblem hipster the other day which isn't really true because i've not because i've because <laughs> i've hardly played all the uh, i've not played the nest ones and the famicom ones with fan translations or anything like that but it was a bit like i've been playing these for 10 years and everyone's suddenly going these games are really good and um but it was more when like people were saying well what am i going to play now now i've finished fire emblem and i was just thinking there are so many games like this that you can play mm. so many games in the series and so many games by other developers that are very similar and and, uh, you know, of a of a comparable quality. Um, and, but this was, yes, th- this was the first Fire Emblem that, that I completed. Um, I finished it earlier this year, in fact. Uh, I bought one of those, uh, the game did a good offer with the limited edition 
3DS XL with Fire Emblem livery, um, mm. which apparently now is is becoming rare and sought after as well. And that's it's now fetching more on eBay than I paid for mine um, new over a year ago. Um, mine's a bit scuffed up, so I won't be selling it, and I like it too much. But mm. Fire Emblem came pre-installed, as it were. Um, <clears throat> so the director on this game is Kohei Maeda. Uh, veteran of the series, um, along with uh, Genki Yokota, uh, whose credits include Jump Ultimate Stars, which um, DS fans, uh, or DS import fans, or Mm. or Supercard fans will know, is a hugely (laughs) highly rated DS uh, game featuring uh, dozens and dozens of Japanese um, franchise characters um, Mm. and uh, in a sort of arena fighter. Um, And uh, it's a really interesting game, actually, but... uh, not one that many have played over here. Uh, he also worked appropriately enough on Wii Chess um, and uh, Disaster Day of Crisis and a game called Fossil Fighters, which I don't know anything about. Uh, producers are Toru Narahiro, uh, again a veteran of the um, Fire Emblem thing, uh, but also Hitoshi Yamagami, who uh, is a, a Nintendo stalwart who's just his... his uh, production CV is full of just yeah classic Nintendo games mm. from Advance Wars F-Zero lots of Fire Emblems Kirby things Pokemon things and, and so on and so forth uh, and the main writer I think is Kohei Maeda again who um, is a veteran of the series as we say um, now the music um, Simon owns the soundtrack uh, he was telling us before we started recording um, yet isn't that much of, much of a, a fan now Hiroki Morishita worked on it um, his credits include some not especially well received <laughs> recent games mm. including Paper Mario Sticker Star and Game of Wario although the music may be amazing in those games I don't know yeah I played both of them and the, the one thing to take away from both of those games is that it's actually really jolly and jolly yeah. music wise so Simon as a, as a obviously you, you liked or you were interested enough to get hold of this music um, but you don't think it's one of the strongest features uh, I was probably doing a bit of disservice I think it's I think tonally it's brilliant it's you know when it's um when there's a sombre mood, it's perfect for that. And then, but then it gets quite bombastic and mm. rousing when it needs to do in the battles. But if I was going to compare it to um, other soundtracks, particularly in you know the SRPG JRPG yeah. genre, I don't think it's up there with the greats. Um, although it does, have, like I say, it does have quite a good pedigree. I mean, Ray Kondo did Dragon's Dogma, and I think yeah, Oka- was it Okami he, as he well. He did some bits on Okami, yeah. Uh, Devil May Cry Four, mm. Okami Den, yeah. Yeah, um, I think if I think if you like orchestral soundtracks, you'll love it. Um, yeah. I'm just being hypercritical. I mean, compared to things like maybe um, I'm going to say Tactics Ogre again, which has a really sort of martial soundtrack, yeah. uh, and the Final Fantasy Tactics soundtracks, I don't think it's quite on a par yeah, with those. Yeah, I would, I would, I would go along with that. I don't, I don't, I can still remember a lot of the Final Fantasy Tactics tunes, but most of the Fire Emblem tunes have gone out of my head. I think there are there are a few tracks that are memorable, but the rest kind of just do their job, as you're saying. They they they're, they're not awful by any stretch of the imagination. They're good pieces of music, but they don't stand out, and they kind of come off as you know generic JRPG or strategy RPG music. It's just what you'd expect from this kind of game, and nothing more than that. Yeah. Um, do you think that goes together with the general um, the look, the feel, the scenario, the characters, the plot? It is this sort of um, typically 
uh, Japanese uh, manga anime infused take on high fantasy. Yeah, I I found the setting and the storyline and a large amount of the characters quite quite generic. Um, I thought the story had some high points. Um, I think when the uh, when the um, when the, uh, their sister sacrifices herself, mm. I thought that was a great moment. Um, but there was a lot of um, sort of pantomime villain shenanigans, yeah. um, and it was serviceable. Um, and the thing about Fire Emblem and any good tactical role playing game is it's really about the the mechanics of the game. Yes, the um, the story just sort of holds it together and facilitates that. The meat on the bones, which is the um, which is the, the core mechanics and the systems in the game. That's exactly how, how I feel about it. But I was wondering, uh, and I'm going to guess, Darren, that's probably how you feel about it as well, knowing your sort of take on these things. But I'm I'm wondering if feel free to tell me if that's not true. Um, but Josh, I'm wondering if uh, you, as a more narrative-driven person, <laughs> felt differently. I think the the plot is really simple time travel nonsense and and the characters aren't particularly deep but what i would say is that i found that a lot of the cast had a lot of personality despite the fact that they were kind of uh caricature-esque like the i i think that's mainly to do with the art and the voice acting though um you were saying that you you found the the characters or the i I don't know. I thought somebody referenced that the art was a bit generic, but I actually found that the the art style, especially in the cutscenes, was really well done. And and just in general, I think the 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 portraits for all the characters uh, are really striking and uh, memorable. Uh, and some of the voice work, I think, helps you remember those characters, despite the fact that they're not really that complex or deep. I mean. Frederick's just your generic, you know, uh, you know, tough guy with a heart of gold. But I, I find myself myself saying, "Pick a god and pray." Every time I beat somebody in an online video game <laughs> or something like that, it's memorable. It's just not particularly complex. Yeah, I mean, I, I found Frederick uh, to be a great character. I love the way he was. I'd sort of describe him as sort of part Rambo, part Mrs. Doubtfire. I love the way he sort of like fussed around. Um, Chrome when they weren't when they weren't battling you know s- sweeping his tent and making sure he wasn't going to get catch a cold yeah but as mm. soon as you threw him into a battle he was your, your go to guy if anyone got into trouble and he just mm. he just absolutely decimate your position so that was a nice little juxtaposition but um, yeah there were the, I'd agree with I'd agree with um, Josh actually that the interplay between the characters is actually pretty good despite the characters being fairly vanilla fairly generic um and when you get onto the the whole thing about the um relationships between them and how that affects your statistics it was quite good trying to bounce people off of each other to see what the interplay would be between them yeah so the 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 art in this game i think it was a a debut uh artist i mean this the the games have had a similar but different look um that's evolved and changed sort of throughout the the what is it 24 year history of the franchise but this one uh, the lead artist is yusuke kozaki um whose work you may know from no more heroes um uh, also worked on liberation maiden which i think was a 3ds download game mm, yeah um and yes i mean I, I think the art is attractive and the visuals are as a whole are attractive um 
it's interesting, you know, looking at the GBA and DS games now, they, they're obviously not so, you know, high resolution and pretty. It's nice to have that extra fidelity and the animation in the, you know, the battle cutscenes is quite lush. I mean, you can turn that stuff off. Um, not sure how many people do. I, I, I did in some of the Advance Wars games because I, I did find they got repetitive. But in Fire Emblem, I always want to see the battle actually play out. Yeah, the actual yeah. battle animations are luscious and glorious. I, I, I genuinely was surprised when I um, when I saw it went into like a three D po- polygonal sort of animation because in Advance Wars it's two D sprites sort of attacking each other in split screen, which is cute. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's really you know I really like that and it's adorable. But here I, w- I wasn't expecting it to be so like detailed and luscious. Like you could even go into first person, <laughs> and I really enjoyed doing that when I was on the back of the horse because I, I don't know why I just liked seeing the guys you know the guy on the horse. I think it's Frederick. I like seeing him in first person, just jousting a player to death, I, well, an enemy to death. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed like actually playing around with the camera and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know anyone else who does. But when I'm watching those guys fight, I like to just tweak the camera, speed it up, slow it down, just like become a little director of, the, of a battle. I, I just like, and th- this is another case of like the art and the animation lending these characters personality that they don't really have. But um, I, I just like that. Every character had their own little animation rituals before they uh, they fought the enemy or and afterwards. Like Crom would always dig his sword into the ground and then pick it up and then strike the enemy and dig it into the ground again. And uh, Frederick would do this weird spinny <laughs> thing with his spear and stuff like that. It's it's a little thing but it makes all the characters feel individual despite the fact that many of them share the same role the same roles and um, it's what i i think it's kind of the reason why i prefer this game to say XCOM because you can give all your X, uh, XCOM characters names and stuff like that you can um give them the names of family members and friends podcast also- hosts eh, Josh? yeah <laughs> <laughs> But ultimately, when 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 one of those characters dies, you're not mourning the loss of a like a character you got attached to. You're mourning the loss of a really good sniper or a really good you know heavy or what have you. But in this game, if Sully, for example, one of my favourite um, uh, ca- uh, you know uh, uh, people on uh, on a horse. Um, if she had died, that that would have been like really hard, you know, traumatic for me. Because wait, I really like Sully. She's like a really badass, badass girl on a horse, and and she got this cool armor and stuff like that. Where you know, in other games of this genre, it would have just been oh 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 dear, my sniper died. I'll just go and rename the new recruit and build him up to be uh uh you know an elite character again. I I, I just like. And Valkyria Chronicles does this as well, where where all the characters are unique and have backstory and stuff like that. It's not it's not deep. It's not it, they're not very complex characters, but just having that little bit of personality, that little bit of something that makes them unique, makes you that much more attached to them. Obviously, uh, you've already touched upon it there, and we must talk about it straight away. Um, and this game adds uh, an option that I'm sure to many would be considered deeply controversial when it comes to fire emblem um the permadeath situation now uh for me when my first game in the series was the first game boy advance one and there was no option it permanent death was permanent death um you meet people along the way you recruit them uh you build them up level them up 
give them equipment and skills, but if they die, that is it. And that is a case huh. with uh, a number of uh, other games in the genre. Some some games have different systems where they'll sit out for a while and come back, or or various things like that. But in Fire Emblem, it was that harsh. You would get your fantastic new archer, and then it, it's 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 a strange system because it's it's it seems like, unlike so many other games. The things that you're used to, you know, resurrection has been a part of gaming since Space Invaders. Really, hmm. um, I've got another life. And it is, and it is a tough thing to get used to in some ways. But um, for me, it's absolutely key to to how much how much I love this game, and I, and I, and I like it very much more than Advance Wars for exactly this reason. Because I mm. never feel attached to the units in Advance Wars because you can just make more that are identical. Whereas in Fire Emblem, if you lose your fantastic Pegasus riding. Um, you know, air night or whatever. That is it. They are gone now. You, I, I don't even know what happens. You know, because they, I never ran out of characters in my playthrough. But there must come a point where new ones stop turning up, and you actually run out. I yeah, I, th- I think the thing is though with the permadeath. I think it's designed so that the player will go back and reload, rather than say, "Oh right, okay, I've uh, that character's dead now." I can't imagine there are that many people who play this game and just go, just you know, take their medicine. I'm sure people I do. do. Really, I do. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I, um, that's what I use the quick save and the um, and reload. I kind of see it like, say you're playing Tony Hawk's and you're trying to like execute like a perfect run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that, but obviously on a much more drawn out scale. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't like to kill them off. And the thing is, with in um, in in Fire Emblem as well, I think it's like it's a it is a key part of the um, personality of the game. You know, it's it what defines the Fire Emblem genre. So I couldn't imagine turning it off. <laughs> I, I, when I first played it on release, I had the uh, the permadeath on because I heard that's the way to play Fire Emblem. And I got about ugh, 15 hours in and I just got to a point where I was just like, well, what do I do? I've got, I've got nothing. I've got no one because I'm, <laughs> I'm so rubbish at these games. And... It's the reason why I prefer the Advance Wars slash uh, Skulls of the Shogun, you know, um, design philosophy. Design f- philosophy, excuse me. It's because you can sort of be a bit careless, you know. You can sort of go right, artillery, go over there. He's dead. All right, I'll just, I'll just get another one. It's fine. And uh, like those kind of games are more like chess in in that regard, you know. Like if you if you lose, your units will just come back. Whereas in che- Fire Emblem, they don't come back in chess. <laughs> but no, but like you know, if, if you lose chess, you, those units are just there on the board still, and I, I kind of see that in uh, in Advance Wars. Like you just put your pieces back on the board, that's fine. But with Fire Emblem, it's like if someone took your your bishop and threw it out the window, you're like, oh, it's gone, and then you've you've got no super dude. And I I, I turned it off, and I was like, mm, okay, I'll try again, but I'll t- I'll turn permadeath off, and uh, yeah, even my um my failing brain struggled all the way through it. But um, yeah, I, ha- I had to turn the permadeath off because it was a little bit too much for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not the kind of, you know, uh, fascistic purist who would say they should never have let them let these, you know, weaklings have this option, you know, to to turn (laughs) the permadeath off. I mean, actually, this one, I think, also has a difficulty setting as well. I'm I'm not I'm not sure what it is. It two or three levels. Is it beginner and normal or or three? But I'm not actually sure what that dictates. Um, just is it enemy hit points or is it? I the don't a, know. The AI is. I mean, I played it on the, Hard the hardest. AI. I played it on the hardest difficulty Did setting, you? and it, wow. it, it's really they're quite aggressive. The AI, yeah, right. Um, which is probably why I was having to reload <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I, I think you know it's it, 
player choice. We, we were talking about this on, on Burnout Paradise and how you know players didn't have the choice to quick travel or, or restart events at first and things like this. And you know the guy the guy we spoke to, Ian Angus, from that development development said that he most of the team felt that you should give players the choice to play the game they want how mm. how they want to play it. Now it is difficult because you can give players so much um, ease and freedom and comfort that the game is no longer the game you know the game the game isn't what it what it needs to be to be fun but um i can actually see that even though i choose to play it with permadeath on and observe those permadeaths as my own punishment for my own failures even sometimes when you feel like you've been hard done by because a a new load of units just suddenly arrive on the edges of the map as reinforcements and take out somebody who you thought was being you know you were you had them in cover and you had them you know surrounded or whatever and far enough away from the action it can really hurt but to me that's where like i i don't really care about the setting and the plot of this game too much at all where the emotion comes into it for me is exactly that where you have a character that you're attached to because you've been through many hours of battling with them and then suddenly they're taken away um but i yeah so i think you know it it's probably helped get the... I'm not sure why this one caught on so much more. I think it was just the 3DS was on a wave of... Um, mm. you know, on a hot streak of great Nintendo reviews and, and it caught some attention and came out when there was a gap and I don't know, maybe people are just kind of more open to these what once were niche genres than they mm. used to be. But um, but this, if this more accessible way of playing with an easier difficulty and with without being really harshly punished, then... Yeah, fine, fine, I guess. I think the resurgence of the genre in general kind of helped this one pick up momentum. Yeah, you know, we had Kickstarters for old games, uh, no, old games coming back. Yeah. Like, and uh, XCOM Enemy Unknown from 2K. Yeah. And, you know, um, Julian Gollop made uh, Ghost Recon, that yep. Shadow game. So yeah. there was precedent for the genre to exist on the, on the machine. So I think that all of that combined just, uh, you know, just built up and people were ready to get behind this one. Yeah, I think as well we live in an age with mm-hmm. where social media plays quite an important part in spreading yeah. s- spreading news about games and people's opinion. I mean, I know I, I my choice in what I buy and what I play is based much more on what my peers and yes. you know associates on Twitter and on forums are saying about it than you know, anyone's writing in the um, you know the professional games media. Mm. Um, you know, it only takes a few influential people playing a game like this for it to sort of spread like wildfire across Twitter mm-hmm. um, so you know I think that's probably probably does help sort of more what we're seeing as niche titles like Fire Emblem yeah definitely so and I think it can, it can help um, you know, as somebody who's been on both sides a bit of the professional critic and uh, and amateur and just social media person i think the i mean having both is certainly helpful in that um yeah like i certainly base more of my um interest on and games around uh what my peers say but if you can then go on to game rankings or metacritic and see that it's also received you know 90 percent ratings across the board you think okay they're not just being funny they're not just yeah. being weird this is <laughs> this is how this game comes across um I haven't looked into sales, I don't know. It's increasingly difficult. The more recent the game we cover, the harder it is because of uh, digital sales. So it's not just a case of somebody having racked up all the uh, the number of box copies sold across the world. Um, I'm not sure how many figures there are out there for, for you know eShop downloads or whatever, but um, I guess this has probably done 
better than previous releases of this series mm. in outside of Japan anyway. I think the, the positivity of sales, you know, behind the curtain is it, it must have done well. They've um, they've granted intelligence intelligence systems, uh, you know, um, the the keys to uh, a new IP, which is really interesting to me. You know, the fact that it's not another Fire Emblem game probably speaks to not the sales of Fire Emblem Awakening, but their their trust within um, you know intelligence mm. systems to design another turn based strategy. It's uh, steampunky. Yeah, and it's yeah. got Abe Lincoln uh, rallying an army against um, some alien things the, the steam is an acronym for some ludicrous kind of like you know fear first encounter assault uh, recon acronym it's, yes that's yeah they call them. yeah yeah um i suppose we should talk a little more about actually playing the game um because i think ultimately uh for me the the joy is the the interface and the pace at which it all runs and the balance and the the sort of the constant thrilling tension um now you know we're not just going to describe obviously you move enemies around a grid but what is it do you do you chaps think that makes this game so particularly moorish because i i certainly think it would be fair to describe it as compelling yeah i think it's i think there's a lot there are a lot of systems going on at once in fire emblem Mm. you know other than the actual battle, um, you've got the sort of relationship system between the characters, um, and pairing them up in battle. Has I feel bonuses. like I really, really underused this pairing up stuff um, because oh. I'm not used to it because it's new to me. Oh, it's, it was <laughs> crucial for me. Like I had to pair up to beat some of the um, was it the Mad King. Mm. Grim, Grimbles. I can't remember his name. <laughs> it wasn't Grimbles. King, King Grimbles. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, I did a bit of research when I was stuck, and it was like, okay, uh, you know, someone give me give, give, give us a little tip, and they were like, have you tried pairing people up? And it was a it was a crucial moment. I paired two guys up, and it just carried. I, I paired a really strong character with a short range with a with a with a horseman, and the the range of that horseman bolted the guy down to the other side of the field, unloaded him off the horse, and then it was just like waited a turn and took down the Mad King. It was like, oh God, yeah, pairing up is actually really, really essential for me. Yes, if things like uh, when you're on the sandy levels and it, it limits the movement of the characters, so you need someone like one of the uh, the flying units to, to basically just ferry people about. Um, yeah, that was great. I mean, I, I thought that was a brilliant touch. I don't think they used the pairings in any of the previous games. No, that's why I think I underused it. Certainly, I, I hadn't come across it before, and I think I undervalued its power. But having said that, I did complete the game, and I only mm. used it a little. So Yeah, well, I thought it complemented the uh, sort of romance element to it, because Definitely, it wasn't yeah. just the uh, character development, if you could call it that, and the interplay between them. It was actually giving you some sort of tangible benefit when you were actually fighting on the on the battlefield. I want to replay it now. Um <laughs> Yeah, I definitely did all the off off the pitch stuff out, you know, as regards to um always making sure that I'd cleared every conversation uh possible in the in the between fight menus, you know, you could go in and actually see who had things to say to one another. Yeah. Um and start and it would give them boosts and bonuses and then there's the scenes where you're just kind of hanging out and uh you just let the people wander around and chat to each other and they uh and they find items or 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 their stats get improved because of these interaction stuff there's there's quite a lot going on in and in and out that has a that has an effect back on when you get back out on the battlefield 
Yeah, it's the um, going back to the relationships thing. Now, I don't, did you did you notice that it did push you in certain directions to pair certain people up with other people? And I was yeah. like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I was trying to like make it as chalk and cheese as possible. Like, I'd, hmm. do you remember Tharja, who's the sort of the strange witch character? Um, and I got her together with yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lonku, who's the sort of like um, uh, taciturn um, swordsman. Uh, and the weird thing is, is that she pines after the main character. And even when she married um, Lonku, she was still casting hexes on the main character to try and make make him <laughs> run away with her, which is huh. a bit bizarre. <laughs> well, hmm. there's 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 more there's a lot more to that side of things than I'd envisaged. To be honest, I, I didn't know it could go that deep. I assumed it was more, you know, just the usual, you know, plus one um, damage because you're paired up with this person. But it sounds like there's more going on both probably mechanically and story-wise. Yeah, hmm. I mean, it, it didn't go particularly far, but I think there were elements of that. And it was quite fun. Like I, I, like I say, I found trying to make match sort of chalk and cheese, really, and hmm. having odd couples. It's almost a, it's a sort of Dragon Age type thing. Obviously, this series goes way back before then, but some of this stuff maybe took an influence from some of the stuff that Bioware did. Hmm. The whole relationships thing. Obviously, there's less actual... Uh, bad 80s sex scenes in Fire Emblem <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, and non uh, non-heterosexuality as well I don't think there's anything like that in Fire Emblem there's one thing I really appreciated from having units on the battlefield uh, next to each other not necessarily paired up but next to each other is that Sometimes I wouldn't acknowledge that they were next to each other like you know the heat of the battle and all that and then all of a sudden there's a there's a there's a guy or girl next to me in a battle and I'm like oh there's a chance for an extra hit to come in here you know and if I get mm. this extra random chance hit this guy's going down and when you see that second person like do an animation of like I'm going to attack you now you're like oh this is just like you know you, you get the goosebumps you get the uh, the the, uh, the adrenaline rush that you, uh, that you rarely get from uh, turn based strategy games if we're completely honest for me yeah you, there's also when uh, when enemies attack you, there's a chance that your partner will jump in and defend your attack and uh, nullify mm. any any uh, damage mm. that could have been uh, done, dealt to one of your characters. It, it's it's great because, um, like Darren said, there are situations where you're not even pay t- uh, paying attention to that stuff, and an enemy will creep up on you, and you're like, oh god. This is my Pegasus rider. Mm. They're weak. They're weak to our like really unreasonably weak to archers. Pegasus riders. Yeah, yeah. And then I figure, oh wait, Crom's right next uh, next to her. And then Crom will just dive in the way of the arrow, block it, and go. Yeah, go. You, you're safe. Well, you know, you're 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 free to fight another day, Pegasus mm. rider. And she'll go. Yay, thanks. Uh, and it's a, it's a, it's a nice. It's another one of those things that like, despite the fact that the story's not particularly. good, good they they take every opportunity that's available to them to inject these guys with a little bit of personality um and you know to create this feeling of them being this team that really gels together really well so we mentioned it um as regards to the difficulty level um i played it on normal i've only played it on normal um the enemy AI can be pretty ruthless um, I don't know whether I'd call it on normal difficulty anyway I don't know whether I'd call it smart as such but it it's clearly very um, 
it understands the 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 rules that run underneath the combat and fire fire emblem so obviously you've got this uh very traditional kind of hyper complex version of rock paper scissors going on with the different weapons and the different unit types um massively expanded beyond three things because you've got umpteen unit types and um, um well at least what four five six different sort of key weapon types um but the AI is, uh, I would say, yeah, it can be pretty ruthless, even on normal difficulty, in terms of picking off the weak. There's several situations where I've made the mistake of having healers just out on the battlefield on their own, and then have all mm. the enemies immediately target the healer, because <laughs> they're all very much aware that I'm relying on that person to make sure I get through this. Um, yeah, the, the, I, they do. I mean, I, I would agree to, with Ratso. There are situations where they're they're quite a little bit dumb, but the, I, I think the fact that they are aware of the relation, like the way your, your characters work together and the roles they have, and they know which ones to target first, which are which are the priorities. Um, it, it's a bit scary, uh, and it makes them a lot more intimidating than the the aliens in XCOM, which I, I feel tend to just target whoever's nearest rather than whoever's most valuable. Um, whereas these guys really do go for your key units mm. when they have the opportunity to. Yeah, I feel like the the lady dancer. I forget the name. Now is it? No, I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not. But they, whenever I chose her for the. So when you dance next to another unit, uh, you're given the ability to attack again. I felt like that character got picked on far too much and there was no chance to level her up because it was kind of like, oh, she's on the field. Oh, she's dead. (laughs) There's no chance to dance, you know what I mean? And uh, it made me sad. Yeah, I mean, I I played it on the the hardest difficulty level and I, you know, I agree. I, I found that they would isolate characters and they were really 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 aggressive and i haven't played that many games where it's been quite like that i mean you're talking about the dancer i was having to have frederick um sort of buddy her for the almost the entire game just because she was just getting decimated every round Mm. um and it's the same with the flying character the flying units um they're they're weak they're very mobile but they're very weak and Mm. i almost ended up giving up on using them after a while because the ai was completely brutalizing them Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a shame because I think if you can get the most out of those, um, you you can create some quite interesting scenarios. I've never kept a Pegasus alive in any of the Fire Emblems I've played for more than a few battles. They're 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 obviously really valuable if you can get them through that that initial difficulty. Um, but how you protect them enough, I, I've never I've never worked out. I'm just not a good enough player or tactically clever. But yeah. there's you know I've never seen one on a high with a high level ranking so i don't know just how devastating they can be but i'm my guess is a lot yeah well, i i i found that they were unreasonably weak to archers uh I, several times uh an archer would sneak up on one of my pegasus riders and kill them in one hit yeah, yeah. and i i just felt like what how is that fair i'm pretty sure he i'm pretty sure the pegasus can dodge an arrow i'm pretty sure if he's flying up in the air <laughs> I, I think that's a hard target for an ar- archer to hit but um they yeah, really just miss. one hit, dead, and I, I, I think that's the one. This is the one and only 
set part that I found unfair was actually was this just this bit where the 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 relationship between the Pegasus riders and the archers because like like you said I just ended up not using them because it was so easy for an archer to come out of nowhere and just destroy them all um and and especially with me playing with permadeath it's like well <laughs> If I use them, they're going to die. But if I don't use them, then there's just these units just sitting here doing nothing. And by the time I like get towards the end of the game, and there might be a scenario where there aren't any sneaky archers, they're so under-leveled that they're completely useless anyway. Um, yeah, it, I, I found that pretty frustrating. I found that I had, uh, towards the latter stages of the game, uh, any anyone new who turned up after a certain point in the game was pretty much cannon fodder and uh you uh, like this has got a level limit of 20 i think it is and so i ended up with a core team of people who had long since maximum leveled um and then the rest were kind of i've I've just checked and there are around 50 you get around 50 named characters um uh, a few of which can't properly be eliminated without it being game over obviously um but I certainly ended up leaning for my completion on the uh, downloadable side of things where you can you, you can recruit on the map uh, characters from previous Fire Emblems um, for free. No, no, uh, there, there is some paid for DLC with this, but you could basically uh, attach to Wi-Fi and it would give you the access to uh, some quite, you know, quite strong characters from previous games. Um now my my feeling for that was in the same way as you know somebody might somebody else might not observe the permadeath um i was observing that but i was thinking well this feels a little like cheating but actually it's in the game and it's justified by the by the context of you're on the map you run into people um and then you pay them a, a fairly substantial sum of money to have them join your your gang yeah i remember i went onto that uh, wi-fi bit to get into some new uh, you know, units in. Not, not that I'd lost any because I wasn't playing on a on hardcore mode, as I like to call it. But <laughs> you know, I, I looked in. I was like, "Oh, there's some people on here. Yeah, I can I can download them." I was like, "Okay, I love that one, that one, that." One. I got, basically took them all, all that I could. I got onto the map, and it was like one million G. And I was like, I, "Yeah, I don't have that kind of money just yet." So um, my my plan to cheat the game because I was struggling again. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> was uh, was foiled. Yeah. But yeah, I think your question earlier about why do people keep coming back to this game and you know, all these games, this series of games, is because of the systems that lay beyond the battle. Like the overworld map has, you know, shops and items and like, you know, traditional RPG mechanics. And I think people really get into them. It's not something that I, 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 I have been known to, but for, my, for the most part, you know, I'm, people know what I like. I like Mario and stuff like that. So to get into all these stats and details and stuff, like my brain was like, Oh, I can't handle this. But like, it's they do enough again to help players like me uh, to to get through it with the bare minimum. They have like an optimized button for this for the yes, for like a you know, handling uh, ha- yeah handling all the stuff. And I was like, all right, optimize, yes, please, <laughs> please sort it all out because there's there's just a little bit too much um, information going on for me. But I appreciate the fact that they've they've got all the stats there for people who want it, and they've also got the easy way out for people like me. Yeah, I'm definitely somebody who will use and optimize uh, if if it's there. Um, I, I I feel like I've got the 
intelligence to uh, sort of work out the best, you know, the absolute best of everything. But what I don't have is the patience, um, you know, to, to actually min-max everything for myself and compare every bit of information to everything everything else that's in the game and consider every possibility in every situation I tend to you know knowing that I've got a you know multi-thousand game backlog I just want to crack on really so um, perhaps again you know maybe I don't know maybe Simon would would you would you get get into it deep down and dirty and i do like to, i do like to have a tinker with uh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm a bit i'm a bit anal about item no, that's management. good i mean i'm sort of jealous of those who go in that far yeah i do really like it but i've always found um even the best game well the best games are playing stronger they, they they do struggle at times to make it easy for the player to uh, compare weapons yes, and actually I so compare agree. the kit yeah. uh, and you do have to sort of come up with your own system there's never it, 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 they never make it easy for you um, and I, I've always found that um, going back to the earliest games it, it, I've, I've played in that genre um, so even, I do like a tinker but um, like Darren was saying the, the optimise button is a really useful tool at least to bring yourself back to a sort of a reset point at least um, because it, you could easily get completely lost of what you're doing. Um, I actually found the shop. Actually, found the shops slightly annoying as well in this. Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of um, you know menu. Like I think compared, even compared to the ones that I played first ten years ago, I think things have been streamlined and, and improved in terms of accessibility. But I still feel like they've got a long way to go to match some of the easy, easiest to use examples of the of the genre and, and similar, you know, anything RPG ish, basically. Um, I know obviously you don't have a huge amount of screen to play with on, on a handheld and maybe that's part of the problem. The 3ds isn't the highest resolution, you know, it's, it's one thing on a PC to be able to have, you know, everything on screen or whatever, but yeah, there was a lot of, I, I feel like there was a lot of scrolling up and down menus and tabbing between things and getting lost and confused. And I always feel this is just me, but then you speak to other people and it's like, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't the slickest part. Yeah, it's a bit of a necessity in Fire Emblem because you've got the obviously there's the forging section of the element of the game. Yeah, that, I didn't do much like, of that either, the weapons, you see. But there's also the um, the class changes or the promotions. Yes. Some of those uh, rely on on items that you find. You, you get to a certain level and you can't change class until you pick up a certain item or certain type of item. So I think you do have to do a bit of fiddling to get the best out of the classes. Um, it just doesn't make it particularly easy for you at times. Yeah, I mean, this is why I think I ended up with so many, you know, I ended up with strong people who I'd managed to promote early on in the game and I'd worked out what you needed to do and when to do it. Um, but then with some people, you can kind of reach the end of their, um, where they can go and there's kind of nowhere to, to take them. Um I feel like there were, uh, I can't remember the exact systems. I haven't been back to them nearly recently enough, but um I feel like in some of the I've played two of the the three Final Fantasy Tactics games and um and Vandal Hearts and stuff and I feel like there were was there perhaps more option to pick random fights and then um and and level up and you do get these sort of uh, instances of 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 rogues and bandits appearing on the map but you can't just sort of keep spamming a, a particular move to make it uber powerful or anything in Fire Emblem uh, I think I, I used to go back and go back to earlier levels because you know places on the map um, only spawn um, enemies of a certain level. So if I had lower level characters, I'd just go back there and spam those battles for a right. while. 
because mm. there were items that you could buy that would make enemies appear on the map which was quite a good way to grind um, unit levels mm. Mm. Um, but I know what you mean I remember in Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre which funny enough by the same guy there were a lot of bandit skirmishes that would facilitate that for you mm. but in a way I think it, you know it's 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 it sounds like even among us, there's been several different approaches to this game, um, and yeah. they've all worked. We've all got there, um, diff- different difficulty levels and different amounts of using the perhaps the deeper stuff. Mm. Maybe that to play it to conclusion on the hardest difficulty with permanent death on and never never abusing the quick save, you would have to absolutely get to the bottom of every single facet of every element on and off the battlefield, and yeah, I like games that have that where you can basically you can fairly much stroll through them on the easiest settings if you're willing to quick save or whatever. Mm. And then all the way up the other end there's a ridiculously challenging game that could take you, you know, the rest of your life or multiple playthroughs to to do. Definitely. I mean I thought what I really liked about this game is that um, you know, I'm I'm someone who doesn't have you know, limitless free time to play video games, unfortunately. Who does? Not many people. But, um, mm. you know, it's, this took me about 45 to 50 hours yes. to finish. Mm. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't like, you know, an 120-hour no. grind fest, which I just wouldn't have been able to enjoy, you know, yeah. with my, mm. my lifestyle. I thought it was balanced nicely in the fact it was a nice length. And like you say, you could enjoy it uh, at a basic level where you could get through the game sort of any touching lightly on the various um systems or you could get um deep down into it and you could put you could probably if you wanted to spend 80 hours and you could double the playthrough time oh, just by just for sure fiddling about absolutely i think my completion time is around 40 hours um and uh yeah i would imagine to do it yeah on the on the tougher settings and 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 whatever you could be looking at way way more than that but coming back to the the actual the moment-to-moment gameplay it's such fun it never felt like it was a long game to me some games for 40 hours now feel extraordinarily mm. long um but fire emblem i think the way you know you can pick it up put it down you can close the clamshell on the 3ds um it just it it really i think i did it in the space of about a month overall and it and it flew by really mm. i think that's true for most of those games with that perspective it sounds pretty weird to like generalize but like i play the sims every now and again but when i do like the day just goes and you're like well what's going on like it's that kind of god sort of mode kind of you know like looking above the, mm. the playing field like those kind of games i'm i'm rubbish at them i've said it again and again and again but when i play them the time just goes like XCOM, i'll put 10 hours into it and go <laughs> Oh my god! Like, where's that gone? Whereas some games, like you'll you'll play ten hours and you think, oh, is this is this ever going to end? But the, this kind of game, the one where you're sort of you, you're always using your brain doing something, like the, the time just zips by, and it, it shocked I, me when I saw that I had fifty hours on my playtime. I I think it's uh, for me, it's due to the episodic kind of nature of the the game structure. Like there are very distinct. It's this battle now, this battle now, this battle, which mm. allows you to consume the game in nice bite-sized chunks like if you only have time to play like half an hour of a game uh that day you can easily complete a battle in fire emblem awakening in half an hour and then save it and put it down Mm. whereas um i think a lot of jrp 
JRPGs have like long and and older JRPGs are, are, are more notorious for this, where they just have long stretches of time where you can't even save. Um, I think there was a section in Final Fantasy VII actually where you couldn't save for like an hour and a half or something like that, which was, you know, that that's just unreasonable for an adult um, in the modern world. Like you, you can't you can't ask that much time of anybody. So the fact that Fire Emblem's long but also divides its its gameplay into these nice bite-sized chunks makes it easier to consume. It's kind of like why I can sit and watch like five hours of a TV show but struggle to justify watching a two-hour movie. Hmm. Like Because it's in bite-sized chunks, Hmm. it's easier for my mind Hmm. to go, oh yeah, no, I'll just have another one, I'll have another one. (laughs) Whereas when it's a commitment, like a two-hour or three-hour commitment, I'm less likely to... uh, to uh, try and uh, you know try and engage with that kind of stuff, so yeah, I, I do think it's that structure that helps uh, helps what what is otherwise quite a long experience not feel so long. Yeah, it probably is though worth pointing out that this is the first game for quite a while that has that world map. So that really? not, ev- not every game is structured exactly the same. There's the the chapters, but um, I think Sacred Stones was the last one to have a, a world oh, map. Okay. So if anyone is going to go back and play earlier games, don't be surprised if the structure is slightly different. Mm. Um, from my experience of playing sort of the, uh, the um, earlier games through translation and the, the games that came over here, is that they do they're not afraid to tweak things. The developers they will have use one idea for the structure in one game and then completely discard mm. it for the next and sort of bring things back, which. Um, it keeps things fresh, actually. I think you know you're not gonna you know you're not gonna get exactly the same experience every time. Yeah, I think that's interesting from the point of view you've played the most uh, entries in the series of all of us um, by far. Uh, it, what, what you know is, I think from the outside it would be easy to assume that these are just the same game over and over again, um, and that's you'd say that's definitely not the case. No, they do try new things uh, and bring things back, which is nice and. Uh, things like there are items and characters in the game that will come back but won't take the same form it's like um, I think the Fire Emblem itself if you play earlier games sometimes it's a shield sometimes it's uh, a file of something Um, it it, it has the same name and thematically it does the same sort of thing but it takes different guises and it's the same with the characters as well I've played them uh, before with um, where Grima takes a completely different form I think it's in the first one um, and there's um, Naga, which is the leader of the Divine Dragons. Um, in the earlier games we played those, she's you know it's, it's implied that she's actually a man, but um, in in Awakening and a couple of other games, she, she takes form of a young woman. So it's interesting to see them play around with you know recurring themes and characters and items. Similar to uh, Sid in Final Fantasy, that sort of idea and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. things coming Phoenix Downs and whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, just briefly again on that uh, one element, just partly for my own interest as much as anything, the um, the weapon forging stuff in Fire Emblem Awakening, um, I did virtually nothing with it. Um, and again, got through the game w- without it. Um, but again, I constantly felt like I was lacking in understanding of what it what the benefits were or, and possibly missing out on some of the most exciting you know opportunities what was the deal with that uh well t- to be honest i i d- 
didn't dip that much into it. Okay. Um, I had a go at, um, I think it was a Silver Lance, um, but I found it, it, it kind of tied into the whole shot element, which I found really frustrating. Mm. And I was having to dart around to different points in the map when all I wanted to do was to be getting into the, you know, into battles. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, I, I didn't really buy into it too much. Um, I just thought it was, I thought it was interesting they tried doing that. And the, there were a couple of interesting items that I got told that you, you could forge, but you had to do a ridiculous amount of extra stuff. You know, it was like... This is traditional fashion of these sorts of things. Yeah, games, exactly. Yeah. It's like, do I do I have 10 hours to spare to get to that point where I have this slightly better lance or right. slightly better pike? Um, so I didn't dip into it too much. It's there for those who want it, but it's it's non-essential even to finish the game at the, at the harder difficulty then. It's good to know. Um, one other thing that I've always felt a little um, let down by with Fire Emblem... Um, and there isn't much, uh, is the lack of spectacle in terms of magic in this game. Now, I remember, uh, obviously it would look very blocky and PlayStation 1-y now, but I remember some the, some of the treats in, in first Vandal Hearts and then Final Fantasy Tactics of unleashing the higher-end magic spells. You know, you're getting full, sort of, you know, you're getting animations and, and uh, you know, creatures coming down from the sky and enormous geysers of blood and all this sort of stuff. Fire Emblem always feels a little... You know, it's a bit a bit like Gandalf in the Lord of the Rings movies. Like, actually do some magic. Do something that's actually <laughs> spectacular. So is this just me, or...? I didn't really miss it, to be honest, because I kind of liked that it focused on swordplay and archery and stuff. So I, I kind of got absorbed by the more more realistic forms of combat yeah, no, um, mean, yeah. um, of medieval combat so the fact that there were there are you know magic type characters but the fact that their their attacks are very limited it's just fireball lightning or what have you mm. um it, it didn't bother me and i think mainly because i i didn't really use the magic characters all that much i tended to pair them up with um uh, guys with swords or axes or what have you and just have them be supporting characters um, so it didn't really bother me too much just because the animation for all the the regular weapons was so spectacular sure. yeah I like pretty magic it's one of the things that I dig about fantasy games and mm. you know rpgs in general is if i am going to sort of suffer the weaknesses of a magic character i want to be rewarded with spectacular spells hmm. um, yeah it seemed like every time a magic spell was you know performed in the uh, the 3d battle animations they all kind of look the same like a, a circle would appear in front of them and then it would sort of like poke the other guy with a magic spear type thing it was, it was, yeah it needed for me i would have liked a bit more um 3D bombastic um, yeah, magic Yeah, a bit more stuff. power. I mean, oh, that's the, you mentioned the, the 3D thing there. Now, now, this is obviously less relevant than it was because there is a 2DS now, um, mm. and it's never been relevant to me because it makes no difference whether I have the slider at full or mm. nothing. I can't. It doesn't look any different to me. It just looks slightly annoying because you have to hold it very straight to your face <laughs> yeah. when it's 3D. Um, but for those of you who can see 3D and play with their sliders up, uh, is this is this a nice 3D game? Uh, whenever something new happened, I'd turn it up and see, oh, how does that look in 3D? Oh, it looks like that in 3D, and then I'd turn it off again. But I would like to see 
different things happen in 3D. It's, it's weird. Like it's, it's a it's a very short burst of oh yeah, it looks like that. Turn off. Yeah, I think it's okay. It's um, it's not like the new Kirby, which is amazing in 3D. Um, mm, yeah, it's got so, it's got some nice touches, but I just kind of like it, it, it's nothing to write home about. It still blows my mind that they can get uh, menu UI graphics to sort of hover above gameplay graphics. But they don't. (laughs) (laughs) To me, they don't. Oh, to you, of course they don't. (laughs) But to me, it it still blows my mind that they can sort of separate the two in a a 3D fashion. Um, I know it's nothing amazing anymore, but every time I turn it on, like I think Luigi's Mansion did a really good job of it as well, the second one on 3DS. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but don't you you just go, wow, this is great, and then immediately turn it off so you can play yeah. the game properly yeah but, that's it Darren yeah. you were on an advert for it singing the praises of the 3D and now you're all mm. like yeah it's not that good really. <laughs> the thing is with the 3D on the 3DS it's great if you're playing a fairly sort of static game like Fire Emblem but yeah. I mean I've been playing um, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate and mm. it, and the same with the Mario, the Mario Kart 7 as well as soon as you start throwing the 3DS around where yeah. things get mm. a bit frantic there's no point having it on because it just detracts from the experience because things start yeah. getting blurry so I'll just yeah. turn mm. it off but um, anything like this it's, it, I think it looks great when it when it's on mm. Hmm. Yeah, I may have been impressed in the advert, but as soon as I played Pilot Wings Resort and I saw like three or four different targets to land on, and it was only one, <laughs> I was like, you know what? Maybe the 3D isn't the best for all games. So let's turn uh, it off. Curse you, God, for making me this way. I can't see it. <laughs> I can't see it. Ah. Um, so you could also uh, enhance, as if it wasn't a big enough and deep enough game, you can enhance your Fire Emblem Awakening experience with a whole slew of downloadable content packs. Uh, there were eight in total. Um, they all came out between uh, February and June last year. Uh, each one is a mini episode containing three sections, I think. Um, I haven't got any of them or played any of them i don't know if that's if any of you indulged these are these were sort of five pounds each or or six dollars uh so you could have spent yeah about as much again on your game in uh, bolstering it with with content did anyone indulge no 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 okay that's that that's that covered (laughs) then um but there it is it's out there um i think with a game like this uh personally from my point of view having extra maps for a turn-based strategy game doesn't seem that exciting to me like i'm struggling with the game as it is do i want more i think there were some some sort of story beats in these things Mm. i mean they've got names like champions of yore and the golden gaff and smash brethren quite clever uh five anna firefight i don't know maybe they might just be one-off battles and and you know sets of three battles i'm not really i'm not really sure but um none of us felt motivated to uh to but again it's it. the option I, you know it's cool it's cool that the option's yeah. there for people we yeah wanna, yeah we and it's not like it doesn't feel like content that was ripped out of the game no. or whatever yeah i i just think i felt like i had my fill from the main campaign and i didn't really need any more it was a 50 game you know 50 hour game already i, I didn't really feel the need to extend it it's any interesting longer, so. isn't it this I, you hear this a lot and, and i felt the same way um but you'd think that more of something you loved is always good but i guess it's you know it's like this like the uh, the box of donuts isn't it know when to stop <laughs> um finally on on awakening really um before we hear from our community um 
This also, of course, uh, has a multiplayer option. Now, you mentioned earlier, Darren, going back uh, to the Advance Wars days and playing with a link-up cable, as I did as well. Um, sort of uh, local multiplayer, as it were. But, of course, um, the last, I guess the last few versions post-Wii and DS have been offered Wi-Fi play in Fire Emblem. Um, and again, I don't... It, it, to me, it just felt like I would go online and get slaughtered if anyone was on there. So I, so I didn't really try it. I, th- I mean, I think you can even set up arena battles with AI. So you know, as with in the same way as you could with old RTS games like Command and Conquer, it wasn't always about the plot game. You could actually mm. just create a skirmish. A skirmish, indeed, mm. is is the word. Um, so, did anyone bother with any of this? Uh, no, but usually I would in this case, like. Um, uh, the the, uh, the 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 fifteen year old Darren probably would have enjoyed a skirmish more than a story based thing really? because okay. there, there's more of a, a detachment to the whole thing. Like you don't feel uh, invested in it all. Whereas now, you know, I kind of want investment from my games. But back then, it was just like, okay, I'll do a skirmish and turn it off, and then play it again next yeah, month. Yeah, sure. You know, what I mean, like you can pretty much just detach yourself from the whole thing and uh, not feel compelled to play it all, which is kind of how I played Starcraft uh, 1 back in the day as well yeah let's just, let's just comp stomp which is you know where two of you team up against the AI and destroy it through uh, nefarious cheating um, I should actually mention um, the on my, uh, online multiplayer for this game isn't actually what you might think it is okay because um, I tried it and uh, I it's <laughs> you're literally just sending your team over to the other person's 3DS and then they're AI controlled on their 3DS, and then they mm. fight your team that's AI controlled, and oh, then you do it with. Because like, what would, it's not? It's oh. not proper multiplayer. It's it's pretty like, rubbish. Like driver tiles in the, uh, oh. the new generation. Yeah, yeah. You see, what would have been amazing is, and I love this in uh, you know talking about turn-based strategy. Um, Frozen Synapse is, is a very cool game in that genre. It's uh, recently come to iPad, I think. Um, you can get it on Steam for, for um, I think it's about 15 quid or something. Um, and that, of course, like uh, like uh, XCOM Email and Laser Squad Nemesis, and I think Skulls of the Shogun as well, has asynchronous, mm. a- asynchronous yeah. turn-based multiplayer. Yeah. And I love, I love it so much in, in, uh, because I do like playing multiplayer games, but it's that... You know, and and I do like playing in all in a group. I love hot seat, you know, couch multiplayer, of course, and and playing in a group on you know battlefield squadron or whatever. But asynchronous is so convenient. You get the fun of and the challenge of playing another human being, but you just get to play it when you're ready to play it. I've currently got hmm. several games of everybody's golf on the Vita on the go, and it works beautifully. Um, yeah. And Fire Emblem, I would have thought in the same way as a Laser Squad type game could really work. Yeah, I've got a few games of. Um, well, I used to have a, a few games of uh, Naked Naked Wars, Naked Wars. Yeah, on the um, on the PC, I used to have a few games of that on the go for, uh, for yep. email. Um, and all uh, you mentioned, Skull, Skulls of the Shogun, a game that I enjoyed from last year. I think I've actually got a move to play from about a year ago, which is kind of the part of the problem with me with asynchronous games like that is that you, you sometimes forget that you have a move waiting for you in a game. But, uh, you know, with Twitter around, it's quite easy just to go, yo, it's your move. And then, you know, you, you take your move as you see fit. But yeah, asynchronous for Fire Emblem would have been a more uh, compelling move, I guess. Well, funnily enough, we have a three-word review coming up from one of the uh, the Pickford brothers, who is who were, of course, the developers of Naked War. I think um, I was playing one of them because I was at Mastertronic at the time. There and they you were, go. Uh, in cahoots. Legendary 
a legendary Pickford Brothers, um, mm. and they're bringing that game to iOS, I believe. So, good game. Yeah. Uh, which brings us on before we hear some more about Fire Emblem from uh, other human beings. Um, there is uh, only one game, I think, as far as I know, announced with Fire Emblem in the name at this point, uh, and it's a it's a mashup. It's uh, one of uh, Josh's favourite franchises, or at least a portion of it he likes. Uh, and I'm sure Simon as well, actually. Shin Megami Tensei, Cross Fire Emblem. Yeah, I think it's not going to be a Persona-related. No, probably um, not. No. I think this is going to be the main SMT franchise. Yes. So I think there'll be a lot of um, demon-friending and getting them to join your team, which happens a lot in the SMT games. Um, it's kind of like... I don't know if you've played many of them. Some I of haven't, them... but it, I think it is worth saying that you know smt exists very much in its own right with its own as you know as uh, obviously as as amazing as personas become and and got this great following um the smt games there are some great entries in that franchise and and uh and and it kind of makes more sense that yeah, yeah the core series would cross with fire emblem than persona yeah i i think tonally persona and fire emblem would uh, clash yeah. quite dramatically. I think sh- the regular uh, Shin Megami Tensei games are a much better fit. Mm. Um, yeah, I- I'm interested to see what it is. Um, uh, yeah, because I- I- there are components in uh, Shin Megami Tensei games that would actually work really well in a, a strategy RPG, yeah. like uh, you know, convincing demons to join your side. What if in the middle of a bat- you know, a battle, you convince the enemies to join your side? That that sounds like it could be really interesting. I suppose it also opens up the possibilities of Atlas and uh, Nintendo doing other things together um, and other yeah. you know, other crossovers of IPs. Um, it's interesting. This one's supposed to be coming to Wii U rather than 3DS, um, but it does mean that it could look, you know, that much more gorgeous. Yeah, well, there's the, the how they use the gamepad as well. I mean, there's, that could be brilliant. Some of the stuff they could do with that. Expect never to see it if it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. if you're that excited about it. It's probably never going to happen. No, I don't know. They norm- they don't normally announce and then can things, do they, Nintendo? So well, worst case scenario, it'll be like SMT4 where they'll release it in Japan and then the states. It'll bomb, and then we'll get it as an eShop only release. Right. Let's hear from some of our hugely treasured Kana Rince community members uh, who have posted on the forum kanarince.com slash forum. They could have emailed in to podcast at canerince.com, but they didn't. But they could have done. (laughs) Uh, Darren, Mm. start us off, please. Yeah, no worries. So Knuckles says, The Fire Emblem game I put the most time into was the Sacred Stones on GBA. I got it through the early 3DS Adopter program. I found the game to be really tough if you wanted all of your troops to survive each battle. I made it about 10 or 11 battles in, then tossed it aside. I guess the constant resetting whenever a character would die wasn't that appealing to me. I know they removed it from Awakening, but I've just not had the drive to play that game yet. The real standout thing for me was the graphics. There's just something cool about approaching an enemy than seeing the giant sprites attack each other. I love the really cool HUD and those life bars. It's satisfying to watch your enemy's health bar drain and particularly devastating attack. It's one of the few game series where the user interface design really stood out to me. Outside of that, I don't really have much to contribute on the series as a whole. That's probably because the Fire Emblem series is really hard to obtain. 
They often fetch for ridiculous prices on eBay and Amazon. Somehow I managed to get the DS and Wii Fire Emblem games after the fact, but it was sheer dumb luck that I found them at affordable prices. I bought two copies of Awakening because I, I was sure it would become a collector's item much like the others. I opened one but kept the other sealed. Interesting. Mm. It's, he's, he's part of the problem with that sort of attitude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how, how rare and valuable this one would become. But as I say, the, the, the 3DS XL with Fire Emblem art on it is apparently already mm. becoming more valuable. Uh, Josh Fab- yep. Flabio. Flabio says, I should love the Fire Emblem games. The original Final Fantasy Tactics is one of my favourite games of all time. And I tend to love playing anything in the genre, even the obscure stuff like Jean d'Arc. But I've never managed to get sucked in by this series. There's something about it that pushes me away, and I really struggle to put my finger on what it is. It isn't the permadeath mechanic. Final Fantasy Tactics has that, and as does another of my favourites, Valkyria Chronicles. Although Fire Emblem is less generous in giving you a chance to save the fallen than those games are. It certainly isn't the mechanics. It's a very solid game series with a lot of interesting tactical depth to it. All I can think is that there must be something about the way the games are plotted that puts me off. Perhaps it's the localization, which seems to be very earnest and a little bit twee. But again, complaining about that when the original Final Fantasy Tactics had a laughable localization doesn't feel right either. The PSP remake of Final Fantasy Tactics was completely retranslated, and so its incredibly dense, dense plot now actually makes sense. It's basically the Game of Thrones of the Final Fantasy series. Wow, that's that's a claim. Um, so yeah, these games sit as a weird oddity for me. Something that I want to enjoy, something that I should enjoy, but for some reason I don't. Fair enough. Yes, I think I, I misattributed that that Game of Thrones quote to Fire Emblem, but he was actually talking to it, uh, talking about Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, and as I say, you know, again, if you played Fire Emblem recently and haven't played Final Fantasy Tactics but have a Vita, uh, you can get the PSP version War of the Lions, um, which is uh, the the retranslated one. It's well worth a download for six pounds or whatever it costs. I'd say. Nekimansa says Final Fantasy Tactics pretty much ruined me for grid-based tactics games. No other game in the genre even came close and all looked worse in comparison. I dipped my toe into the pool now and then to see if anything could measure up but never had any luck. And then my brother lent me his copy of Awakening. I finally found another game of the genre that not only didn't look bad in comparison but was quite solid in its own right. I don't play handhelds very often, almost never actually, but Awakening grabbed hold of me so tightly that I didn't put down my wife's 3DS for the 36 hours I spent on it to beat the game. The combat is fairly good, though if you spend any time grinding relationships, the battles become trivially easy on any mode below the most difficult. However, it wasn't the combat that made me fall in love with the game. The characters are very interesting, with an incredibly broad range of personalities. Funny, melancholy, silly, stoic, heroic, timid and more. And the relationships between the characters that you marry together are well enough written that you'd think that the combination you made was the right pairing of characters and not just one of a dozen options. The system works remarkably well and had me grinding battle after battle to see the stories develop between romantic partners and, later on, parents and child. Unfortunately, playing the game for those little storyline bits leads to an incredibly overpowered team in the end. In my game, Donnell was so powerful that he could finish the final battle with just his wife assisting, and I had a handful of other characters who were just a bit behind him. 
The gameplay is still fun, just didn't present a challenge. Playing through on hard would grant the challenge from what I understand of, of the changes in difficulty, but I don't regret going in on normal with classic deaths. It's still a very fun game and must be played by anyone with an interest in JRPGs and or tactics games. Simon, are you able to read Mr. Tadinho's? Yeah, uh, Tadinho, the, t- the tactics genre was one I always had some interest in, but not enough for me to go out, my, out of my way and actually play the games. It wasn't until I played the new XCOM that I started to really crave this genre, so I started with FF Tactics, and after loving that I started searching for more. Luckily for me there was a new one just coming out in the form of Fire Emblem Awakening. Coming out of the greyness and melancholy FF Tactics, the first thing that jumped out at me was the colourful art style and more upbeat tone of Awakening. There's something about this style that can be very anime-ish, but still retains an identity of its own, and especially in 3D, it looks really good, and the music was pretty good. Now, gameplay-wise, Awakening is nothing short of fantastic. I had my reservations at first, especially with how the weapon system worked, how you couldn't revive characters and basically anything that was different from FF Tactics. But once I really paid attention to the mechanics and how they worked together, my fears were snuffed out, and I was then addicted to the game. There's nothing like getting stuck at a battle and then to figure out which formation or combination of characters were necessary to win. Of course there is RPG RPG elements, and as you progress a certain level of grinding is pretty much required, but it never felt boring or terrible just because the core gameplay is so satisfying. What makes it brilliant here is the pair-up stroke relationship system. This is not only a great gameplay story integration tool, but it changes how you play completely. This allows you to not only buff your units during a fight, but also to eliminate a character's weakness to your advantage. Having trouble keeping a healer alive? Pair him with, up with Crom and only take him out to heal when necessary. Need to get a slow-moving unit to the front fast? Pair him up with a flying unit and get him there. This also serves to teach players to have tight formations and rewards them for playing conservatively instead of rushing to their deaths. It's really good that the gameplay kept me invested because the story unfortunately didn't. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's bad, it's just cookie cutter good versus evil and there's nothing wrong with that, but I guess I was just expecting a little more. While I wasn't really interested in the main plot, the characters on the other hand really pulled me in and made me care a little bit about what was going on. Each one was unique and likeable in their own way. Come to think of it, I don't think there's a single character I disliked. They even give the player character a personality, which is something I usually hate, but they nailed it here. My main character in this game should always be female and named... Voyevoda? Yeah. <laughs> Watching them interacting and pairing them up to how things would turn out became a reason to play on its own. And while I couldn't give a crap about who the last boss was, I sure was going to get all of them through it alive. I really can't recommend this game enough. Thank you. And finally, it's Mike Leddy. Yeah, Mike Leddy says... Fire Emblem Awakening was my most anticipated game of 2013, so much that my Hong Kong holiday of 2012 was frequently wrought of visits to game stores just to see the game in advance of its European release. I've been obsessed with SRPGs for a long time, starting with the Mega Drive classic Shining Force and its follow-up, which marked the first time of many that I pulled an all-nighter playing a game. It's something that makes me feel as though I've accomplished great feats in these games, and no list of completed games feels right without a game of this genre. Some of the most significant memories I've had whilst playing games have come from the genre. Vandal Hearts. Marking the first unexpected game as a gift for my mum that I didn't have to lie about loving. <laughs> Disgaea 2. Keeping me company on a gardening job when the rain helped to increase my playtime by six hours. Chasing the perfect PC setup to play Shining Force 3 on the ever-changing specifications of Sega Saturn emulators through the years. Being blown away by Final Fantasy Tactics in classy monochrome thanks to the joys of importing and a rubbish TV. Against the odds, I always managed to put monstrous amounts of times into these games, yet too many of these series have for the most part mysteriously disappeared from the map. Their inspiration remained the same 
though I barely knew it at the time. Nintendo's Fire Emblem series never felt like the blueprint to these games I'd loved for the years, even by the point I'd played the Sacred Stones on GBA. Very much addictive as anything I'd played before, although not groundbreaking. By the time I played the GameCube game, I had the series held in high esteem. It might not have been enough to play the DS and Wii successors, but with the arrival of the 3DS, that old flame had fully kindled and I simply had a desperation to paint this game as the official sequel to so many well-loved series that it could have been squashed by the pressure within seconds of arriving. Despite such huge expectations, I adore the game. The dynamic soundtrack, those mysteriously footless yet visual splendid characters, it's hard to ignore the small touches, the attention to detail and and general fun Nintendo gladly injects which really push Fire Emblem back into that place where they can claim the genre once again as their own. I'm impressed with the relationship system, which, though corny at times, kept me coming back over and over. The amount of content on the cart is unprecedented and the 3D anime-esque cutscenes were jaw-dropping. The most understated thing to say about the game is that in terms of gameplay, it was simply a pleasure to play. Everything just felt right, and every element on screen enhanced the underlying solid system to the game. The story may be over, but I keep some additional side quests to play around with, and I'm always happy to meet teams through Street Pass. A little sad I'll have to restart to save those side characters I lost, and to beat the bosses that dished out some heartbreaking life-taking damage. Looking to the future, I don't expect a repeat of history. To bathe in the glow of the SRPG flame alongside other brilliant examples of the genre like Valkyria Chronicles and Tactics Ogre. Let us cling together. I'm optimistic for the future of the Fire Emblem series with its renewed vigour and will continue to seek out these games as it's clear to see that for the genre as a whole, the volume of titles isn't increasing, but that quality is still out there. The days of the SRPG aren't over yet. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Darren. That was a lot of reading, I know. Oh, my brain. Saying <laughs> <laughs> so on, that Tactics Ogre subtitle. Yes, let it, you started that as, a, as the news. Uh, that was very funny. Yeah. You went, thought, and Tactics thought, Ogre. Let us cling together. <laughs> I'm optimistic. <laughs> and then my brain just sort of froze completely. I was like, that's a subtitle, yeah. isn't Is it? Is that a Queen, a Queen song? It must be. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, now, much easier to read. It's the three-word reviews from Twitter at Canem Rince. Andy Rodriguez, he speaks of Path of Radiance. He says, XCOM was easier. Frozen Treasure says, dead, quit, restart. He's, an, ab- me, that he's an abuser. <laughs> Steve Pickford of the Pickford Brothers, designer of Naked War. Uh, he felt levels too long. Uh, Matthew Rain said... Definitely acquired taste. Ah, good pal of mine. Scott Yunson, he says, Donald, too strong. Michael Cunningham says, Donald is king. Um, I never used Donald. What's going no, on? I didn't here? get Donald either. <laughs> He's a beast. <laughs> I don't think. Um, d- 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 what is it? Is it based on circumstances that you meet him? Or did I just let him yeah. die instantly? Or or what happened? Uh, yes. I know who he is. He's like that little villager kid who yeah. has a bucket on his head oh, and a spear. You have, to, you have to say you have to save him, don't you? From yeah, he has to he has to stay alive for a certain number of battles, and then yeah. he, then he becomes he, joins your team. Oh, is he is he like a magic arp then? Then that he's like rubbish for ages, <laughs> yeah. and then suddenly he turns into Gyarados, yeah. and he's like the best Pokemon he is, ever. He's the magic arp of Fire Emblem. That is spot oh. on. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, I think a- he died in like the second battle, and that was it. I was like, oh well, no loss. 
Uh, he's, an, he's an absolute monster, and he was key to my uh, success. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, Jerome McIntosh says, uh, Hidden Gem Series. All right, then. Thanks, everybody, as ever, for uh, contributions and uh, three-word reviews and all that. Uh, We couldn't do those bits without you, quite literally. Um, Now, we must summarise about Fire Emblem, specifically Awakening, but anything further on the series or genre is welcome to, starting with Darren Gargett. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, This game is obviously of high quality, and it it is really, really good. Uh, but if you don't know about the genre that much, as much as I, you know, like I do, I, or don't, um, <laughs> would I recommend playing this over other turn-based strategy games? I honestly can't tell you. I don't know because this was more of an experiment for me to see if I can endure the length <laughs> of a Fire Emblem game, much like Dark Souls was. Can I play a Dark Souls game to the end? Turns out I could. Uh, so yeah, this game much like uh, Hyrule Warriors will be in a, in a couple of months' time. They're experiments of my um, my gaming repertoire. Uh, so I don't know if I can recommend this game to, to anyone. Interesting. Because I haven't, I haven't really got a, f- uh, a decent perspective of the whole genre. Well, so no, I mean, you can still say, because, you know, you're going to represent other people. Uh, this, mm. this is the point of having several of us. Now, while we, we, all, we often all fundamentally agree, the whole point is that we're all different human beings and we have different takes mm. so your your take is every bit as valuable as anyone else's mm. um but now I, I saw you saying uh, i think on twitter the other day that uh, or or maybe earlier today that you you said prepare you know prepare to see a grown man cry talking about firing <laughs> yeah. them. so what, what was that in reference to oh i just had a really tough time playing it from from start to finish even with the the you know the quote easy mode where people don't die and i just had i just struggled with certain Certain elements of the, the you know the shop system, which you know I'm quite glad to hear that other people weren't too keen on it either, because for me it just sort of frazzled my mind a bit. Mm. The 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 inventory inventory sorting was a bit of a yeah. like, if you wanted to manually you know um, edit it and change it, it, I just felt like it was too much for me, and uh, I, I don't know if I'm just too harsh on myself or not. But, um, a little bit, for me, like the, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, but it's I'm interesting a, from the point of view that you are a fan of, um, you know, Nintendo first-party stuff. You're a fan of Advance mm. Wars. That you found this uh, like a step too far in terms of, um, you know, yeah, like management, sort of men- mm. menu wrangling and and resource management and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, you know, and and other people will feel the same way, undoubtedly, because mm. although for all the praise that's been lavished upon Fire Emblem Awakening <clears throat> as with every game we ever talk about you know there's there's people out there that hate the highest rated games of all time so hmm. but and I've really enjoyed playing it and sure. the sense of accomplishment I got when I finished the last level was like oh I jumped off the sofa I was like I've done it yes like, and that really yeah. happens like, again it happened with me with Dark Souls and I think it's really important to remove myself away from the games that I'm used to and play other ones but yeah I, I can recommend Fire, Fire Emblem Awakening but if you're um if you're not that hardcore into the genre, I would probably recommend Skulls of the Shogun mm. as, a, as, a, as a nice, uh, whimsical alternative. And I, I, I wish more people would play that because it is genuinely good. Yeah, I played that about halfway through um, mm. for a short review last year and uh, I had a good time with it. Um, mm. It's it's kind of got more uh, of an analogue interface, hasn't it? You can move yeah. freely around the battlefield rather than it all being grid-based. But fundamentally, mm. the, the actual the concept of the game is 
is the same. And yes, it has a it has a turn based asynchronous thing, mm. and it's even cross platform on that as well. You can even play three sixty yeah. to PC, but no one plays it. So what was <laughs> what was the point? And uh, just to just to summarise, I probably will buy Codename Steam uh, when it comes out. So I think that speaks to the the high quality of intelligent systems works in the in the genre. So yeah, they've hooked me in. Um, but we'll see how I get on with that next one. Join us on Kane and Rince in 2018 or something like that. <laughs> Thanks, Darren. Josh. Um, I found Fire Emblem Awakening to be a great entry point in the series for me as somebody who kind of looked at it from afar and thought, hmm, that that's something that I would like. Like, it has swords and horses and stuff like that. I like swords and horses mm-hmm. and <laughs> stuff like that. So... Yeah, um, and but I was always put off because there are so many games in the series, and um, you kind of because you know most of them are pretty damn good, so you're kind of paralyzed by choice if that makes any sense. You're like, oh, I could try this one or this one. Oh, I don't know, but I had a 3ds, and everyone was you know giving this game lots of praise and. There was lots of word of mouth for, uh, about it on Twitter at the time, and for whatever reason, I just felt, "Oh, go on then," and you know, put down the, I think it was forty quid at the time mm. to buy this game, and yeah, I, I, it became one of the the biggest surprises for me that year. Uh, I absolutely fell head over heels in love with it. Um, there are a few problems. Um, I've already mentioned the fact that I really don't like how Pegasus Warriors die <laughs> really, really quickly. And I, and I do think the fact that uh, enemies can just appear in the middle of a battle and ambush you, I, I don't think that's particularly fair. That said, I think so many of the other mechanics are really... Um, just really tight and polished and um just the the rock paper scissors nature of the game makes you know the the basics quite simple to understand but then um act as kind of a stepping a stepping stone to more advanced tactics and and the ai is brilliant i i think the strongest uh, attribute this game has compared to something like XCOM is the AI. Um, it's not the smartest in the world, but seeing as like its competitors have enemies that just target the nearest, whoever's nearest, I think just having enemies that go straight for healers, straight for uh, characters that buff your your, your characters, um, I, 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 just, I found them really entertaining to fight. Plus... Uh, the Valkyria Chronicles does this as well, which is a game that's been mentioned a lot during this podcast. But having all the characters have their own personalities, their own look, their own style, um, it just it creates an attachment that you don't get from Faceless Soldier Number Two and what have you. Um, it, it it's it's a small thing, but it just makes all the battles a little bit more exciting. Um, if I, I would highly recommend this game to not only people who are fans of the genre, but anyone who hasn't played any games in the genre and wants to dip their toe mm. in. Because I think there are so many options for 
beginners here that you can scale it down so it's more accessible to you but if you are really into the genre you can make it as hard as you want and and make it uh, as challenging as you uh, as you uh, as you desire so i i think this is a strategy rpg for all audiences really uh i love it it's great super yes uh, somebody mentioned there i think it was mike in the uh, in the correspondence uh, something that actually did baffle me at first which was the fact that the characters have no feet uh, it reminded me of the uh, the pit stops in the saturn version of daytona usa um i assumed when i first uh now you you know you never see sort of significant visual bugs or anything in a in a first party nintendo game um or well, not never but seldom not without exploiting glitches and stuff but i thought that somehow the the geometry had got messed up so that their feet were below the the line of the ground but no they just that's just their style they have no feet very odd uh yes so i like this genre quite a bit even though i'm you know i'm not fully versed in every series i've not completed a lot of games in the genre but i thoroughly enjoy them when i play them um, very happy to have played all the way through Awakening. I'm not sure why it's the first one that I completed. Um, maybe the thought of doing a podcast on it probably helped. Um, but mainly I just found it completely addicting, <laughs> Moorish. And uh, yeah, like I think one of the settings is and, and has been for a long time that you can you can adjust the options um, by I think clicking on a blank square on a battle screen to actually speed up character movement and stuff like that and um, if you do that I find that the game the pace of the game's game moves at is so electric it always just it, you know your next turn your next your next act of doing something is coming around any second and if there's any feeling that something there's always yeah in fact there's always a feeling that something might be a, about to go horribly wrong but there's a, also the feeling that you can you can preempt it and either correct it or get out of it and you have these narrow scrapes where somebody might just end up down to two notches of health and then you manage to somehow get your healer across to them and get them back to life to keep going and the fact that you have this permanent death situation um if you do observe it you know that your beloved axe wielding character has been you know with you for 25 hours of game and he's now he's clutching a a sucking wound and he's almost out of the game uh that you know, really adds a huge amount of frisson to proceedings um yeah things like the menus and uh the outside of the battle stuff um i think has been modernized quite a bit even compared to the the versions 10 years ago as you'd expect but they could still do more to make them friendlier and as simon says the actual comparing items and comparing units um requires perhaps too much uh flipping between screens to actually be that viable especially for once you're in that phase of just being itching to play the next battle um it's it's actually can feel like a distraction but there's a as we've discussed there's a huge amount of extra stuff and depth in there you can add to it even more with the dlc um and yeah i just had a lot of fun with it and uh, i can't wait for whatever intelligent systems do next because i like nearly everything they make pretty much and let's conclude with our guest sonic simon (laughs) 
Yeah, uh, is it my favourite Fire Emblem? Probably not. I think the GameCube game is it has a better story, and um, I have better memories of the first uh, GBA game when I when I got around to playing that. But would I recommend it? Yeah, because I think it's uh, it's a really great jumping on point for the series. Um, the sort story so so. Um, I felt the tone of the, the the plot and the narrative was a bit all over the place. Um, and there are a few niggles, but at, at its core, the me- mechanics, uh, you know, they've been honed, or you can see they've been honed over the lifespan of the series, um, and they're complemented by quite a few clever systems uh, that have obviously been really carefully thought out by the developers, and that's where the fun in the game is. It's it's exploring those mechanics, um, and that's what gives it its personality. Things like the permadeath, uh, and character coupling um, sets it apart from most other games in in the genre. Um, so as such, I definitely recommend it uh, as a jumping on point. Um, one because it's so accessible, and obviously it's probably the most affordable way to play a Fire Emblem game at the moment. Um, and yeah, and I think if you enjoy enjoy this game, check out the try and check out some of the earlier games. Um, Either either through um, paying a hefty hefty amount, or or see if you can um, play any of the fan translated games through through other means. Uh, and if you like the genre as a whole, I'd probably say the next port call is definitely Valkyria Chronicles. Uh, and then after that, really you need to start playing things like Final Fantasy Tactics and the Tactics Ogre series. Um, so yeah, re- highly recommended. I really enjoyed it. Terrific. Um, yes, Valkyria Chronicles is an oft-requested um, Ken Rince podcast. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Simon, before we let you go, um, this will only a contemporaneous uh, thing, but uh, congratulations on your imminent arrival. Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, S- Simon's pregnant. <laughs> and um, <laughs> have you got anything else you want to plug apart from your new baby? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter, either at the, at the Sonic Mole. Um, obviously, there's probably quite a lot of tedious baby chat. Or you can follow me follow me at, at Cool Box Art, which is just where I post a load of um, cool video game box art mostly from Japan and various concepts yes are. actually you is it I didn't know yeah that's him yeah I, I, I somehow I think I twigged it was Simon because uh, he kept retweeting it so it was like ah okay but yeah that's really that's a really cool account um, there's a there's a there's a blog out there somebody does that, that people who are into box art should also um, look at which is called uh, box versus box but yes, definitely follow Simon's uh, at Cool Box Art. Uh, so it just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, Josh, and Simon, and to tell you that next time in issue 140, it's Baby Bio, alarming first-person sci-fi RPG action with System Shock 2. <laughs> <laughs>